June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 9, Episode 4 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I am chatting with narrator Jake Bordeaux. Thank you for being here, Jake. I appreciate you. I'm very excited to be here, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you got started. Uh, great. So I uh, I got started... Poof. Well, I guess the, the, the seed to plant here is I have wanted to do narration my entire life. I grew up taking I'm I'm a I'm from out west and road trips out west tends to be a little different than road trips in a lot of places because for our summer vacation we it was a five hour drive in the car both ways, right? To get really anywhere you need to spend driving out of the mountains, you were driving an hour to an hour and a half. And I've got a bunch like five siblings. Um, mm. And so there was a lot of car time spent with people that needed to be entertained. <laughs> um, and so my parents got us into audiobooks really, really early in life, uh, just because we'd get books on CDs and listen to them as we were driving on vacation. And I fell in love. The vacation we were driving to was a local Shakespeare festival, and we'd go every summer. So I would listen to narrators while we were driving to the festival and then I would go and watch amazing theater productions at the festival and then listen to narrators home. And those were the things I wanted to do. I said, I want to tell stories using my voice and tell stories using my presence and body and everything else on stage uh, and set the goal pretty early. There is no way for you to study narration. So I got my degree in acting, undergraduate degree in acting, and then a master's degree in acting. My master's degree in acting is from LSU, which is where my confident that people will know, but my, that's where the pseudonym Bordeaux comes from, was a nod to the Louisiana French heritage of where we were at in the pseudonym. So yeah, got my undergraduate and master's degree in acting. While I was in my master's degree, I was in a production of Julius Caesar playing Brutus. And the woman who was playing Cassius in that show happened to be a freelance audiobook narrator. And as soon as she told me about it, I said, how? What do you do? Uh, and she was kind enough to kind of sit us down and walk us through the audition processes. This was 2016, so it was still pretty early on um, in the evolution of all of this. So as soon as I graduated, um, we moved back up into the mountains, back to Denver, which is where we're located now. And I happened to win a really nice microphone from a local production company in an online raffle type situation. So we went, well, this is the opportunity. So while we were actively auditioning for theater shows in the area, we set up a little studio and I started auditioning. Um, I started doing some kind of slice of life Western stories, some really, really gritty, not gritty, just really detailed science fiction, some hard science fiction for a while and was doing fine. It was enough to help supplement, you know, doing... 10, 15 titles a year type thing, and then was able to pressure my 
in real life and also production partner Bridget into starting to audition herself. And then she quickly outpaced me as far as like <laughs> what she was booking because I there's there the romance genre is just so much bigger than anything else out there. She eventually said, Hey, you should come and do this with me because I've got enough work and people are asking. And things took off. We made a couple quick changes in our lives, like 2019, to try to get into a place where we were going to be able to record more often. And then the pandemic hit. And between the two of us, we lost something like nine contracts worth of theater work. It was almost eight months of lined up work for us disappeared overnight almost. So we had to pivot hard and decided, well, we'll make the, you know, we've got the audio thing that it's kind of the perfect pandemic job because you're by yourself sitting in your house in a booth you don't need to interact with anyone or go anywhere and it took off at that point and you know it's it's been kind of a wildly exponential rise from there but now you know we're fully booked out for months and months and actively doing all sorts of really cool books and so yeah it's it's been every once in a while i have to take a step back and a deep breath and realize how cool like 12 year old jake would have thought <laughs> that my life is right now right because i think there's there's always that pressure of like yeah but what about the next thing and you got to make sure you're maintaining and and keeping these relationships and everything up but at the end of the day like it's kind of a cool thing to be able to say wow i did it right i had the thing that i wanted set the goal learned how to make it happen and now i get to reap the benefits of like having beautiful community built around what we do and like sharing these stories with people. So, and that, yeah, that leaves us where we're at actively still producing, just started a new month, got a new slate of books that are just starting to get recorded as soon as I hang up with this, with this call today. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the fact that 12 year old, you knew that this could be a possible gig because it's not something that we talk about in our day to day, you know, careers at schools and like what do you want to be when you grow up narrator is not yeah. or even a lot of stuff in the in the book industry like editing photographer for the book covers or graphic this stuff is not discussed as an option and the fact that you and knew it was awesome so i have i gotta give some credit my best friend growing up is he is now a middle grade and ya author he's done a couple larger fantasy series and things but when we would we would just hang outside and play it was him myself and my older sister and we'd play these giant imagination games that the storylines would you know lasted three to four years of us every single day for hours on end creating these stories together and he served as kind of the writer right he would come up with the plot points and then we would act things out as we were going through and it is not lost to me that he is now an author and I'm now a narrator, right? Because we read all the same books. We poured through these things. We tried, you know, and, and I think that the early exposure to the literature and having a community built around celebrating what the reading was and like having someone to share that with really spurred that on. And frankly, the audacity to believe that we could both pull off the thing that we wanted, right? Yeah. It, it, I think it's, it's a rare thing to find someone who has that kind of vision for themselves long term and then also have the same vision for myself and then have both of us go, no, we've, we've been able to do the thing that always felt like it was what we were supposed to do. So yeah, I, I don't know quite how 
no one told me that it was impossible ever, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that was that was one of the big things is I I definitely got cautioned being like, well, you need to have a back backup plan and things available. But at no point was that did anyone get in touch with me and said, no, that's that's not that's not even a thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I know this will sound probably oversimplified, but it's amazing what can happen when no one ever steps in the way of the dreams you have, you know? No, absolutely. And I think it's a good thing to also stop and think about, okay, I have this dream, whether it was when you're 12 or now that you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, that it's never too late. Yep. And to, to go ahead and dream and then take those necessary steps to move into that dream and make it a reality and get rid of anybody that says, no, you shouldn't <laughs> like bye, yeah, bye absolutely. out the door gone, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate the, you know, you may want to look into this as a backup potential, but I'm like, I need you to stop right now and just <laughs> support my craziness in wanting to do this. And, well, I, I, you know, I, I definitely think like I have to because re- even now, like we are we're doing very well for ourselves as far as like the sustainability of the model. We we have incorporated. We've got a business like I'm I'm technically like a a part time like a part owner of a full corporation and have official duties and everything within that and there's still people who are like but what about like if you just could get into like graphic design or like maybe be a lawyer and i'm like no yeah and i i just have to re-internalize all the time like there it's it is coming from one of two places they either really care about you and really want to through their own experience advocate for your security or it's just pure projection and they feel badly because they weren't able to pursue their dreams in the way that they wanted. And so they have to limit other people's ability to do it. Otherwise they're going to feel left behind in some way. And in both of those situations, I think it's, it's totally possible to receive that with grace and then continue to just move on doing what we're doing. Yeah. And that's, and that's true. There's so many different ways in this industry that again, from a career perspective, we don't know that is an option. Because it's not, you know, up until recently, the big boom hadn't hit. But even back in the tape where it was books on tape, we didn't, we thought it was like the special privilege of you had to be in, you know, like Oscar Wilde acting or, you know, or like the equivalent of like Leonardo DiCaprio to be able to do this stuff, not knowing that you can start somewhere and go up the ranks and learn. So, well, and the economics of it have just completely changed the game too, because you used to need the full studio and the only people who had a studio that could make it work were music producers who were only available at exorbitant rates. And so in order to justify that, they were like, well, we need to put celebrity on top of this. Not, you know, not celebrity for celebrity's sake, but proven actors who can handle this kind of text long form and long term. And so it is, I feel really, really lucky that the, frankly, that the technology has evolved to the point where I don't need a $30,000 studio to be able to produce something that people are still able to listen to and enjoy. Yeah. You and me both for this podcast sake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even in the very big the people are like, oh, the editing. I'm like, I, I do editing and I make it sound as best as I can. But at the end of the day, y'all are not paying for this episode. So I don't feel well, and- that it, the quality has to be astounding. and But I still thrive to do it that way, you know, because I don't do anything half-assed. But the fact that I could buy an, a mic at a decent pl- price via Amazon.com <laughs> it was like, wow. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. No, it's 
It is one of the great axioms that I have learned in my life, and I try to apply it all the time. It's from the head of our undergraduate. Uh, uh, my wife, Bridget, and I, my, my uh, narration partner, met in undergraduate in the acting program we were in. And the head of that program was very good about drilling into us. She goes, is it good enough for the paying audience? Because it's never going to be good enough for you. But is it good enough for them on the outside? And if the audience is not paying, it is totally okay to continue to hold yourself to the standard. Like, just be like, no, I don't need, I don't need to have it be perfect. I need to have it be consumable so people can listen and get information and enjoy it. And trying to temper my own expectations through life based on that is something I'm actively still working on, yep. but totally it, it, that is one of the, the things I try to live by at this point. Yep. I wrote that down because I'm borrowing it from my mom, mental sanity. Uh, <laughs> well, because you, when you have the work ethics and you're trying, you're putting something out there, you want it to be the best quality, especially when your name's attached. I will be honest. And I, and say that I do know folks are out there that don't care about things like that. I'm not one mm -hmm. of them. And, and so thriving for perfection sometimes is something that I'm learning that doesn't need to be there for everything because it becomes a hinder, you know, something hinders it. And then yeah. I stop what I'm doing because I, it doesn't sound perfect. And I'm sure it's the same thing for you guys when you're deciding on characters and voice choices and acting choices, you want this to be perfect, but at the same time you're going, I can't do perfection because there's no, there's no such thing as perfection. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is such a paradox. And the, the thing that I end up always falling back to is like, Am I motivated by this because I'm feeling artistically unfulfilled and I didn't feel like I quite quite captured the moment? Or am I motivated by this because I'm operating out of fear and I'm worried that this will be another mark against me that someone's going to suddenly realize I'm a fraud and never listen to me again if I leave this one thing in there? And it's it's a horrible place to be sometimes and you really do have to kind of crank through and just be like, you should not, if someone is on the fence about your narration style, you shouldn't be narrating to try to win them over. Narrate for the fans who love you, right? I, I, we get constant messages from people who are so beautiful and so supportive. And I actually, I, I had this realization the other day uh, while I was doing, I, I think I was on a TikTok live, but like, I know that there are people out there who are very gracious and saying, hey, you guys are some of my favorite narrators. I listen to everything you put out. And if I'm willing to listen to those people, I need to also acknowledge the fact that there is likely someone out there being like, Jake Bordeaux, what a hack. If that guy can make it, anyone can make it, right? Right, yeah. And so I, I actually, I take that with a dose of, like it gives me a little bit of hope in that I know I can't please any, you know, it's, there's just, it is impossible to please everyone. So why put in all the extra work to try to win over people who have already made their mind up about me? True. Right. Yep. And it just, it is, I think helped me just settle and be like, no, you are not working to please the entire population of the world. You are working to please the people who already resonate with and support you. And there's enough of them for this career to be sustainable for you without you feeling like you need to win over people. And like nothing against those people. They just have different tastes. Yeah. They may not like my voice and that's fine. 
So, but, but my job should not be to go, well, this person didn't like my voice. So now the next book I need to convince them to No, there's, there's plenty of people who like my narration style and voice. And frankly, on the other side of it, if someone goes, well, what I, I could do better narration than Jake, they're welcome to like, yep. if, if, if even in my horrible narration, I can motivate you to do something for yourself, take it. Yeah, but it's also the, the, the not only the listening audience, but the author that hired you to do that. They wanted yep. you. They wanted you for a reason. And you kind of have to make sure that they're happy to, obviously, aside from the whole paying client thing. But that's their baby. That's their, you know, they're trusting you to bring life into these characters vocally and you know that that's a lot of pressure too <laughs> it is but but also like what an honor and i yep. think this is one of one of the great insights that i and i obviously once again don't know in a whole lot of of the the long stories of many other narrators but like the fact that i i watched an author start writing at the age of 8 and refine his characters and story and know how much time and effort and work it takes to create the thing that they create and then to hand that over to someone and be like, please do this justice. Please give it the respect that I hope that it is warranted. Like what an absolute honor to be able to take something like that for your interpretation. And I will never, ever, oh, I'm getting emotional about it right now. Um, I will never, ever tire of the moments when I am able to apply like whatever talent and training that I have put into myself and then watching an author's eyes light up the first time they hear a character or a specific phrase or a specific chapter because we as as much as we have a beautifully symbiotic relationship we exist in two very different spheres from a creative standpoint and I think the terror of I have created this thing and I need to now hand over its presentation to an unknown third party and hope they get it right. Is it's scary. And the ability, like the 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 reward that is inherently built into that first time when because I, I our career has been based along for for a while off of working with a lot of newer and younger authors who have not really been around very often because the indie publishing scene is the same as the indie audiobook scene. It's pretty new. And when you can finally give them that treatment and they can go, oh, holy shit, the thing that I wrote sounds like this now and these characters are coming to life in a way I've never heard. And like I get to be the conduit to be able to make that happen. Like I, That, I think, is the greatest joy that I get in my narration experience is is the knowledge that I get to make sure that someone else's creative vision happens in the best way where that we both know how. Yeah, especially sometimes these authors are now when they're writing their stories, they're like, this will be an audio. Don't know when, <laughs> but it will be an audio. They kind of start writing differently because the style changes a little bit because of how you write when it's just for eyeball readers versus when you're doing it for audio, it, there's a little nuances here and there. And, for sure. and then also knowing that I want Jake to narrate this. So there's certain I, things, you know, you're going, oh, wow, no pressure. It is, Thanks. It, yeah. is, it is, it's been 
amazing though because like i get authors who are now hey this scene is in there specifically because i wanted to hear you you do this i have i guess garnered a little bit of a uh of a reputation as someone who was able to do like large larger than life crazy off the wall characters a little bit and also drunk characters (laughs) author like i've had authors say i'm throwing we i i made this character drunk in this chapter because i would really love to right I want to hear you do that. And so like to know that I've gone beyond that, the interpreter into an active participant in the creation of these stories is it's very surreal, but it makes me smile really big. Yeah, I, I, I have a really good time with it. Yeah, I think, too, that it's it's one of those when you start having those relationship with the author and they know that you're going to be cast. Part of it is a little bit of the devil in, in all of us to go, just going to see if you can fucking do it. Um, and, ins- <laughs> and inserts weird accents that they may not have ever heard you do before. But it's also good to know because it it happens with, I mean, Scott Brick, one of his authors does that all the fucking time just for yep. shits and giggles to see if the Scott Brick can do this one accent. And it's a bit of a game between them. But as a listener, I'm going challenge has been offered, you know, it's been accepted and damn, it was good when he, you know, when I heard it. So it's always fun too to know that the authors are, like you said, actively being there as far as, okay, you know, Jake's going to do this or Bridget's going to do this or so-and-so is going to do this because they want to hear you say it. And, you know, it's uh, or they know that you did such a good job in that previous one that this one is just going to be even better because they got more emotional in that one scene or whatever, and that you can, portray it is fantastic the depth in which i am allowed to invest in these stories is pretty amazing especially when i i for such a long time the well and i because if you're doing like the great novels right the books that would have been being produced for listening you know in the 70s 80s 90s when it was really expensive to do so those authors are dead right And you're you're working. I mean, they're, they're amazing writing, but there is there is no back and forth with the creative agent who gave you this story. And so the fact that I have moved and the industry, frankly, but my position within it has moved away from simple interpretation to active collaboration is a really rewarding part of what I get to do because I, I at the end of the day I'm a theater actor right I, I studied Shakespeare for years in how to analyze and interpret and present text and so there is that element of collaboration in live performance that is still something that I crave and love and the fact that I'm finding that level of collaboration within an audio medium through books is it's incredible and I, I absolutely love doing it especially that you can reach out to the author even if it's if you get hired from a production company nowadays it used to be a few years ago i mean like literally like four or five in some cases unfortunately it still happens and i like cop blocking not just at the clubs but at work Uh, (laughs) there's the the giant wall that says you will not talk to the person who wrote this you are to work with me the director and that's it well i understand the motivation like i understand like we've got to keep everything involved and I also am very familiar with the passion which authors can show for their work getting in the way of an audiobook being produced properly. That has n- almost never been my experience, and it has never been my experience within the romance genre that we've been doing. And I, I will say this, we'll, we'll put a flag up in case you think this is too much, but like, <laughs> I have I have never had an issue with a 
a a female presenting author. All all of our issues have come from men who are overly controlling on their work. So it's nice to settle in the genre where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of this stuff has to do with, I mean, because we were talking before, this is the author's baby and uh, for interpretations, others sometimes have trauma. You know, they've been screwed over yeah. before. And it's almost like going into a relationship when you know that there's been trauma. You're like, okay, I got it. I got it. What do I have to do to make you feel safe with me? Right. Yep. I, I want to know what the triggers are yep. and I will take care of you if you give me the opportunity. Exactly. And then, yeah. then also there's those authors that are like, I know everything. Like, listen, you wrote the book, productions and audios are my gig. Thank you. Let me, let me help you by being the person to mitigate these conversations before you piss someone off, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, that, and it happens. But the the fact that we can now have that, you know, interaction with the author and say, hey, I'm I'm reading this. It's coming across this way. But, you know, how pissed off were they during this scene? Because I can go this way or I can go that way. And, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, they were they were really mad. You're like, OK, great. It's always fun because sometimes as good of an author does the work, there's always you're interpreting it. And from a, especially with a theater background, it could go so many different directions. Right. I mean, we see those well, on TikTok about like quiet angry versus loud angry. Yeah. And and I think one of the big things, especially from a theater perspective, is, and, and it's one of the things that I really love doing in the booth for myself is this idea of making the not obvious choice. Right. Because if you're making the obvious choice every time he was angry is always going to result in loud yelling. Right. Yeah. Just because that's the easy default that we result, you know, we we fall back to volume and speed, talk louder and faster. And that means you're more emotionally engaged. And so having an awareness of that and then specific training on how to approach situations and be able to go, I still want the same result, but how do I get it in a different way? Right. In the acting world, we call it tactics. What tactic am I using to try to get the thing I want? And the be the ability to be able to go, oof, that tactic didn't quite work on this one. And one of the great things, and I think it's one of the great privileges we get, is when you find authors who write well to be able to tell the narrator the tactics they need to use without it seeming like they are doing so, right? Because the writing is good enough that the tactics show up organically in the text that you can then find and I can go, great, There's that. these are the choices I'm making. It, it's what's so helpful when the characters are distinctive and individual, and they're all going to have their own slate of different ways that they're going to own and operate. And those are the best books to narrate, right, are the ones where the author subconsciously has really done a beautiful job giving me all of these script points from a theater perspective to then interpret their words on the page in the best way. Yeah. And that also goes into having these kind of conversations because sometimes the author didn't think that that was necessary or in the action in showing you in the book versus internal mm -hmm. monologuing it. It's yep. different now. And and sometimes you don't realize that they were doing it a specific way until you get to chapter 35 and you find that not only do they have a Russian accent, um, but also... <laughs> You're no, like, that's, oh, we, that's what they meant by when they're 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 upset. They talk a lot faster. Okay. Yep. We 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 learned that lesson early <laughs> on, uh, and and well, I mean, we we do a we do a full uh. So our theater backing, uh, there is something within acting training called given circumstances, which is basically just the biography biographical information for the character that you're playing. 
in it will have like their their educational background, their financial background, experiences they've had, hopes, dreams, trauma, all of that stuff. And so what we've started doing is I could read through a book 10 times and still miss things about a character that the author intended you to pick up. And it was just because the one line happened to be at the bottom of a page that I was turning a page faster than I should have. Right. Yep. And it's nothing. Again. No one did anything wrong. It just got missed. Right. And after after doing that once you go, I'm never doing it again. And then when it happens the third time you go, oh, I've got to prevent this somehow. So we we send out a full uh, I, I we actually ship out a document that we have our, our rights holders and authors fill out which is literally just an adapted given circumstance page for the acting work that we used to do in theater that says, please tell us just these basic things. And that way we are still going to read your book and prepare it. But just in case there's something that we missed, you know, your characters way better than we do. So please help us. Well, I mean, when she, when the author says that, you know, she's a Pisces and so, you know, in, in, in the text, it says, you know, and she's handling her anger just as a Pisces would, you would have to figure out what the hell that means if you don't know what yeah. that means. And there's also the differences that like, we're all different. In my case, that means I'm going to be very calm and quiet and I'm going to be very angry and you need to run. <laughs> so <laughs> when she's yeah. quiet, you need to run. <laughs> yep. And so, but a lot of that stuff gets missed because you're, you know, as a reader, sometimes I'm devouring the book. If I'm eyeball reading and I don't pick up on some of the little nuances, because as you said, yeah. it's at the last page. And there's other readers that will remember that he had blue eyes and then this, this, this. I'm like, how are you yep. retaining all this info? And well, so and it, it it is very interesting to note. So just from an academic standpoint, the way that we are better about taking into account the lens through which these stories are going to be consumed because for such a long time in, in well, I mean for you know especially within western literature the idea was I wrote the story with one express vision in mind and there is one way to interpret it and one way to feel about it and if anyone feels differently they're wrong and moving away from that into an awareness of I'm going to present this story and I know it's going to be received in so many different ways because all of my readers are three-dimensional human beings who have their own experiences. And how do I make my writing universal in that? And so much of it is just writing to the human condition, right? Writing yeah. about things that make us feel connected and are everyday parts of our lives in some way. Even if that's just this character feels very deeply, all of us do just within our own sphere. So like it, I think it's really, really pretty cool to be able to see the evolution of how the authors have mastered the storytelling elements of that and saying, ah, yeah, I can now present this in a way that is going to because for some people, blue eyes is a really important detail. Yeah. And for for other people, I don't care what color this person's eyes are. Right. I want to get on to the the spicy parts of what's coming up later. That's what I'm, you know? Yeah. And so being able to present a story that it has that kind of wider appeal of like, I'll give you all the details. You find the ones that are important to you. And then from a narrator perspective, realizing that what that means is every single detail in the book is an intentional choice that the author put in there. I, I know this is not the case, but it is easier for us to do it with with a script when we're working in theater 
one of the big things that we stress is that every single word on that page, you have to assume the editor and the author went to town about and said, this is the word I want there for a reason. So treat it with the deference it deserves, right? If they chose to include that in the book, make sure that you're doing it the justice it it, it and, and giving it the care and attention that it needs. Yeah. And, and those all are all different for everybody too. It's, it's yeah. awesome that you picked up on that too, because for me, maybe the eye color is not in the the importance but the fact that she talked about how she had the blue curtains in this particular room and then you find out chapter 45 that that was the room that the mom used to read the, the stories right to that i mean you're going no wonder yep. she loves blue so and you're, but i picked <laughs> up on it about i'm like there's something about these blue curtains versus the fact that he's sexy got on a stick kind of a thing um and blue <laughs> eyes but it's just one of those where we all pick up different things based on even though the current emotion that we're in as we're listening or reading it's fascinating. Yeah. And it, it's great that you guys can help us pinpoint some of those important things too, because of how you say certain words or how things yep. are said in a scene is fascinating, which is one of the reasons why I love audiobooks is I may not be in the mood to pick up that one hint in one thing or a scene or another, but because of how you enunciate it something or the emotion behind that one where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that means something. It is interesting talking to so many readers out there because as we're continuing to learn things about the brain and how people receive and process information, like there are people out there who just don't read with like inflection, like they're, they're not actively processing the way that the words sound. They're just processing the information and they're devouring it. And then all of a sudden to present it in a way that they go, oh, that sounds so that makes sense now that I'm hearing it yeah. or that sounds different. And I never would have thought of it that way. And I think it's just one of the huge advantages to a multi medium presentation of your work, like give it as many different lives as you can, because there will always be someone out there who is going to learn something new based on being able to receive your, your text in a different way, whatever that may be. Yeah. And, and having the communities that we can have the conversation with each other. Like I, until I got, and that's been now 15 plus years, but I thought I was the oddball girl that's, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? When you read a book, you don't kind of see the, fo like the, like a movie in front of it, in front of your head. And you're like, a lot of people are like, no. And no. then I started talking to others and like, oh yeah, it's like an entire, I'm like, oh, so I'm not the oddball anymore. Yay. Yep. <laughs> well, and I, I, I think that's, it's a beautiful thing that I think we're realizing slowly as a society overall is that like, we've been taught what normal is for such a long time in such a black and white normative way yeah and restricting. The abs yeah the absolute joy it brings me to realize that the palette of human experience is so much more varied in color than simply the two options that were given to me as i was growing up it's also nice to know that i i, I mean i embrace my weirdness i embrace my, yeah. my my differences and stuff like that but it's also now that i don't have to hide them and I can, you know, share them with the world. And I and I have others that are like, oh, my God, you too. Or <laughs> or my favorite, not exactly quite like that, but this and like, no, really. And then I'm learning something new. <laughs> and I'm like, fantastic. One of my go to stories. And I know there were there. Were, I mean, a lot of people have heard this one from me, but it's one of my favorite. I went to Comic Con in San Diego in 2012. So that would have been the year. The hot, the first Hobbit movie was coming out. Uh, Pacific Rim came out that year. Django Unchained was around that point. And so I'm sitting in Hall H with my friends at these giant, you know, uh, Ian McKellen's on stage. 
and like I'm in the presence of some of my heroes and a, a few of my friends who I was there with said, you need to come to this panel called Maddie Palooza. And I said, what's Maddie Palooza? Uh, and I found out it was Mattel, the toy manufacturer has their own presentation at Comic-Con in San Diego where they announce all of the figures that they're going to make for their lines for the next year. And the way that Mattel works is it's a subscription model that says you pay in a certain amount and you get 12 figures of whatever line you want for that year plus like a bonus 13th figure. So like there's, we sit down in this room, there's probably, I would say, 1,500 to 2,000 people in this. It's a pretty good sized hall. And they start going through this presentation and there's the WWE line and like a section of the room would go absolutely insane. And then they're like, it's time for the Ghostbusters line. And a section of the room, a different section of the room would stand up and just go nuts. And they kept going through all of these different and I'm completely out of my element. I have no idea about any of this. But I'm watching all of these people find such joy in the thing that they like, right? And the changing moment for me was it was they, they get to the end of this presentation and they go, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the I think it was like the 25th anniversary of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And the whole room went nuts. And they're going through month by month talking about all of these different figures they're going to release. And I believe it was the month of October they they would show they they would show like a tiny picture of like a, a piece of armor or like a belt buckle off of one of these characters and the room who knew this cartoon really well knew exactly who it was and would start getting super hyped about it so october shows up and they show a picture of a character named mosquito who is a weird looking mosquito robot guy and about four rows behind me this guy stands up and he's wearing a full mosquito helmet <laughs> with a mosquito shirt on and he's just going yes 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 and the designers who design all of these are up on the panel at the front and they're all beaming and apparently like they know this guy and his birth month is october and oh, so they're wow. like we're going to create this for him mm -hmm. and i had this really beautiful moment of like i have zero idea what it is in this man's life that gives him the connection to this thing that brings him this level of joy. But who am I to step in and be like, "Ugh, you find joy in that thing? Yeah. You know, and, and I just sat there and felt happy over the fact that someone else was able to feel happy in the thing that made in whatever thing that they had a connection to that allowed them to. And I think that's one of the big things that really has facilitated the direction of my life is that idea of let people enjoy things like just just let them enjoy things because the world is crushing and depressing enough as it is. We don't need to be attacking each other about what we find interesting as long as it's not actively hurting anyone. Just let people like the things they like. Because we all deserve to have more joy, I think. Oh, absolutely. And not having to have the need to understand the why yep. they find joy in it. Just let it be. Let them yeah. enjoy that moment. Because, I mean, in this case, it wasn't even one of the main characters. 
And some people will be like, why not go this crazy over the heat yeah. bag, right? <laughs> Hell, the tiger is a lot more interesting than the most, right? you know, kind of a thing. But there's something that might resonate with that character to that person. And it's the same thing with the books. Like we, we, you know, with romance, a lot of times people have discovered that they may want to do and become a baker because that one character, you know, took the, you know, the, the jump and be you know and bought their own bakery it happens to be right next to the bar that the guy happens to be hot but whatever it goes it works you know um and or even discovering that they have a kink that you know they didn't realize that it was a kink or that it even had a name for because of a book that they read and it was okay to do that and i think sometimes we try to society sometimes definitely does put us in these buckets but almost like needing to understand the why and the reality is no you don't just be happy for them and if you can't be happy for them walk away Yep. And like, just I, there seems to be, and I, it, what I think is a, a shrinking amount of people who seem to think that if I am not happy, no one deserves to be happy. Yep. And I, I look forward to the, the shift in our culture, which says everyone deserves the joy that they are able to find in life. And I will do, even if I don't understand it, I can support it in the best way I can. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get there. Same thing when we have people that are trying to captivate what you have. And instead of figuring out what your path was as far as having the conversations and figuring out what their own path looks like, having those individuals that just want to take over. And I'm like, dude, how I got here, how you got here is different. And you need to figure out how you're going to get there and find your joy because my joy is where I'm at. You may yep. not necessarily find the same joy if you try to get rid of me and replace me by the way you can't because I'm a you know individual and find your own place in the world and and roll and enjoy that moment, you know, and yeah. trying to get there. So I think we're hopefully getting there. I just love the fact that you exist in this world, that you you know you're helping yep. with that concept of letting people be and enjoy and that you're bringing joy to listeners and authors and readers all alike from, from the performance that you give in the audiobooks to even sharing yourself with us on social media because that's the other thing too nowadays i think that it's great that you guys are coming out of your your boxes um, and that uh, you're sharing the process with us as listeners and we're getting to learn what that looks like and discovering different things about yourselves but also ensuring that the listeners also realize that you guys are human beings and you deserve some privacy and just because yeah. when jake says certain words that you're going all melty pooey doesn't mean that we need to tell you about it <laughs> but <laughs> i i also like I, I think it speaks a lot like and and uh, just to the the idea of what these books are we're, we're about sharing the human experience we have this ingrained curiosity in us about what it is like to be human right and it is so funny to me that we'll put out posts about hey this is a book that I like that I narrated and it'll get attention. And then we'll say, this is a crazy story that happened while I narrated, or this is a kind of uh, behind the curtain. And those are the posts that get the most views and attention because I think people just really have this voracious knowledge to understand, for lack of a better term, how the sausage is made because it's it makes us all feel like there's something... We, we're living in an age where demystifying processes, I think, is is a hugely valid thing to do, like understanding how things work and why. And so the ability to be able to be like, no, come in and check it out. Like what I do, I absolutely believe that what I do is difficult, 
I believe it takes training. I believe it takes dedication, but it is not magic and it is not inaccessible if you want to know how it works, right? And being able to share that with people and like answer questions about it is is actually one of, I, I think one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and the fact that we have platforms that allow us to engage with community in that way is really amazing. Yeah. And, and just kind of also, I think the, the community aspect of self of having a community and learning that, you know, you might be one of my favorite narrators and, and, and because none of the performs, but oh my God, you and I both love peaches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we have that one other thing in common and that, that kind of, that one thing may be just enough to be like, great, great, you know, cool. We have that one and then kind of go forth and other people, you know, that are from a reader's perspective, the fact that they like a specific genre or that they have this, you know, in common and the emotions and, the, and everybody's, it's just great that we do that mm. and that we can. And I will say that, you know, thanks to you, I will never look at a peach again the same way. For those that <laughs> don't know, Jake and I were in a panel together at an event, Readers Take Denver earlier this year. And uh, it was, you know, the podcast panel and we're like, we, you guys, because that's the truth. I mean, sometimes how you guys perform the book will make or break it. And it's the truth. And there's been times where I've thrown the book across the wall and I will never pick it up again. And then I go to find out if it's an audio and it's like, oh, thank God. And bonus, depending on who the narrators are, perfection kind of a thing. And so right. for this panel, because it's the truth, I mean, you guys can basically say anything and you know, we'll find something loving about it or damn that was sexy based on the, how you perform it like you were saying the tax and so you did a thing where you read the ingredients off a tea that had the flavor of peaches and Celest celestial seasoning peach yes, tea yes exactly I, I, I drank some last night yeah see <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is as you're reading i'm because i'm sitting next to you guys in, in in these you know tall high chairs but I'm, I'm listening to you and watching you read and then i'm panning out and i'm looking at the audience and how they're mesmerized by the fact that you're making this freaking list of ingredients sounds, you know, enticing, but also just the fact that you're there and you're sharing it and just seeing you perform and just work that magic off a list of freaking ingredients for fuck's sakes, right? Heaven forbid that we it's, were seeing you in a full play. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is a joy. I, I was handed the, the, the company was founded in 1969, and as yeah. soon as I read it on the label, I was like, "This is this this will be my choice. This yes. is the thing that I shall present." Yes, but that's also where I totally fell in love with your wife, and I'm like, "Jake, you're awesome. You're, I love you." She's like, amazing. Damn that she's woman. Amazing. Yeah, she's great. But those are things that sometimes some some people in the audience had never heard of you guys before. Yep. And the well, fact that now they went, I'm like, I saw them looking through their books. I mean, in their, on their phones going, looking up Jake Bedo. <laughs> I'm like going, yeah, goals, you know, been satisfied. <laughs> exactly what I wanted. So it was great no, to see. That's, that. It was a, I had a great time with the panel and we've, it's been fun since, since that panel, we've brainstormed several other things <laughs> uh, of, of, of just ways to be able to do it. Right. I, yeah. I think the one that I'm, I'm excited about is we've we got some transcripts for football announcers <laughs> that you can then reinterpret because mm -hmm. like when when they're screaming oh that big boy penetrated through the middle like, yeah i th i think i think there's i think there's something there yeah about just we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll reinterpret super bowl calls or something like that so it'll be good oh gotta love romance <laughs> <laughs> 
and 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 because again i am the friend and i warned all of you guys from the very beginning i'm that friend that can make anything into a sexual innuendo it's yep. it's you know to have a group of people that feel the same way and can do the same i'm like my people yes <laughs> and so yeah it was uh definitely something now that i when oh, i'm it out and about so much trouble though it gets me in so much trouble because I'm saturated in that for like eight to 10 hours a day at this point. And then I have to go exist in public sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I get invited to parties and get together with my friends and like, you got to tone it down. Yeah. You have to pull it back. I've, I've, um, I've learned because again, you know, you have to read the room and you have the uh -huh. mixed companies and stuff like that. But I've, you know, that's always where, when I'm with my friends, there'll always be one of them that just kind of physically checks me when someone says something. And, I'm, and then I get the arm on the, I get the hand on my arm and that's the, uh -huh. shut the fuck up, don't uh -huh. even go there. Internalize yep. it, send me a text, something. But I was like. <laughs> yeah, just, just, we'll keep it in the running bullet list I have in my notes app about things I could have said that would have been hilarious that would have gotten me ostracized. Yeah. But then also too, is one of those, like I've learned in my age that I'm like, Fuck it. If you can't handle me, not my problem. Um, <laughs> and so I will, you know, plus that with even under under sometimes like that's what she said. And they're like, what am I? No, nothing. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Mm -mm. Or my favorite. I was entertained. Yes. Right. Or my favorite when I have a friend that's across the room and I'm going and they're going, no. And they're just eyes going back and forth in those looks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You're the, going, silent, oh. the silent communication. Yep. Yes, the silent communication that you have with those friends. And so it's it's just it was so much fun to have you guys on that panel and and have you guys have fun with the idea that I had. And yeah. it was one of those where I'm like, huh, yeah, they totally get me. Yes. <laughs> had an absolute blast with it. Mm -hmm. But again, we'll never look at a peach the same way again. And now I, I'm, I'm I'm at Publix, which is our local grocery, and I'm walking through the produce section. There's a peach, and I'm going, "Ah, oh, Jake." <laughs> there it is. Yeah. How you guys make a stand in our lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to have impact. You don't. That, the just assume everything's going to be a good lasting memory, and the yeah. fact that I've been able to revolutionize fruit for a few people feels really nice. Yes. <laughs> it's all and, and just bringing us the joy though that's mm. now and it's one of those like i'm not a huge particular fan of fruits because of texture um i'm more of a smoothie girl because of that so i will put yep. the peaches in the in, in a blender and, and and drink it that way but not <laughs> as watch not in my mouth uh yeah, but no, it's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> he was already laughing folks he knew where i was going um <laughs> before i even knew where i was going but it's just one of those where those moments now where I'm like, it's just oh, cool, Jake, you know, and it's just fun. And it's one of those things where you have a nice memory now of like, it's it's peaches for some. But for me, it's like, Jake got me. He understood me. He understood the assignments and he went there and he did it fantastically. So I appreciate that from you guys. And that's same thing with the community. I think they all appreciate that. Having to yeah. have that moment of connectiveness in a world that sucks it, sometimes. <laughs> well, and it's it's really hard to narrate, especially within the genre that we narrate, mm -hmm. and be able to take yourself seriously in the best, right? Like, there's just, every once in a while you have to take a step back and be like, yes, my instinct is to care about this so deeply, but like, it's five guys who all transform into animals. It's okay. You can be a little goofy with this. You Like, you don't need 
and and the humanity that that brings into i think our work and also our presentation like the the ability to just embrace the yeah what we do is a little bit silly and that's fun and let it happen i think is great yeah totally it is and then also the listeners have our own little favorite stuff i mean the one thing that's when it comes down to the books and the narration is we always have something that we love, whether it's the scene or because the story takes place in a hometown that's similar to how, what we grew up with, or that best friend is very much like my best friend or I'm that best friend, right? Kind of a thing. And then you guys get on and perform it and you hit that note and we're going awesome. I know for a fact that as listeners too, we also love an accent and sometimes <laughs> what we, <laughs> When we're hearing you guys and you're you're doing the act, I'm like, I didn't know that you were X Y Z, and they're like, No, that's just that's not my normal. I'm like, Oh damn, that was really good spot on. So much work though, mm-hmm. but, and, yes. and I, I think that's that's one of the big things that I don't think people realize is is like, I had a a voice class every single year, if not every single semester, for seven years worth of my university education through my bachelor's and master's program. That's a lot of vocal training. And there was a whole lot of time there spent. I mean, I literally had a class in my master's program about how to identify, take apart, analyze, and recreate dialects um, because it's an important thing to know how to do. And so, like, I think, frankly, we we get caught up a little bit in the flash in the pan you know, social media approach of this guy's really good at swapping between accents without realizing that the reason why is there's a whole lot of time that's been put in in learning how to do that. And it is so gratifying when you can get someone to be like, I really like that. That really sounded authentic to me. And then once again, also tempering that with like, I know Australia, uh, uh, Australian narrators who angry americans will message and be like your australian dialect sounds terrible yes. and they go uh that's i live i live i live here yeah but like like and, and honestly it's one of the conscious things you have to do is like you have with with audiobooks specific it's the weirdest thing but you have to go in and be like okay the dialect i'm doing right now is supposed to be scottish but what that really means is the dialect that the majority of my audience would identify as Scottish while still being intelligible enough for them to get the information that's there. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I get it. We, we get we get characters like this all the time where they're like, his Scottish dialect was so hard to understand. But if I just rock into the whole thing, you know, like, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm mush mouth in my, like, so, like, you have to keep your audience in mind about I have to, I can't necessarily do this authentic to someone who would live in this small highland village instead of like okay i need to give the feel of that while still giving the information and it's it's a weird tightrope to walk but what a it's thrilling honestly to get to the opposite side of it sometimes especially when people start listening yeah i've had uh reviews that i've laughed and then i've sent to the narrators because one was saying my god his british accent was just so unbelievable and he was born in you know born and raised in fucking london <laughs> so right. it's like i'm like i know you're british i talk to you all the time and you know this is and then they're like oh there's unbelievable and then another one was an irish one and it was gary furlong it's like yeah his irish accent was horrible i think he's even read the review on on social and he goes great because you know i'm from ireland and i was born yep. and raised there it's like hilarious and I'm like yeah 
once again, <laughs> you're the the bell curve is always going to have people on both ends, and like you're you're never gonna please everyone. So and that's and that's okay. Yeah, but I love it when you guys are humorous about it. You're like, yep, born and raised over there, born. but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not, nothing to be done and nothing we'll just keep done. pushing through mm-hmm. yeah but also from an american perspective we have this thing where we think irish and we're like oh lucky charms kind of lucky happen, charms you know, the whole thing yeah you know or when we think british accents sometimes we'll go back to like uh, mary poppins and you know uh, or yep. Dickens and things like that. And that's not how that works. And so I, I think having these kind of conversations and people now because of social media and the World Wide Web, we can do the research and we know that there's 15 different accents in, in one town in the, yeah. you know, in, well, in the UK, for example. What, one, and I don't get the chance to do this as often with audiobook work. And I, I because frankly, m- most of our authors aren't this specific. Um, playwrights tend to be pretty damn specific about where their characters are from but like one of the things that i love doing is finding what we refer to as vocal models right this is the dialect that i want this person to sound like and there's so many resources that have been boiling up for years there was a there were some people who specialized in in dialect work and and vocal and sound who would go out with recorders and and just try to catalog the dialects that people had places and with the the advent of smartphones and microphones and cameras being everywhere that work has accelerated tenfold and so now if I have a character that someone's like, I want them to sound like they're from this specific village in this, I can generally go and find someone from that village and then research, take apart their specific dialect and figure out how to put it together, which is so cool to me when I, when you can nail something like that for an author who put that specific choice in there for a reason, yes. and then you can execute it, it's one of the most gratifying feelings I can possibly imagine. It feels so cool. Yeah. And and sometimes even the listeners may not love it and stuff, but if the author does, that's good enough for me. If the author I, is like, that's, well, that's exactly what I wanted. I'm like, perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just execute the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, one of the things I do love to do with our guests is to play the game of two truths and a lie because we learn so much already by our conversations. But at the same time, I'm going, what else can we learn from you and about you? And so these two truths and a lie tends to be a fun kind of way to continue to learn more about you. So if you're ready, you have your three things. Uh, sure. Let me. I'm actually. I wrote them down. Hold I was on just say- a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, thing number one is that my left lung has collapsed twice in my life. Thing number two is I once went 56 minutes without blinking. And thing number three is is that I played with my state symphony uh, as a solo performer when I was in high school. Wow. I always say these games are fun because it's all about the level of details. It could totally have been, for an example, that you play the symphony, but instead of high school, it would have college. And because of that one change, it all automatically becomes a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny how you guys can be so creative. I do want to say that the lie is the 56 minutes without blinking. That is on my resume as a no! special scale when I'm auditioning. <laughs> Oh, wow. Various things. 56 uh, freaking minutes, bro. What the hell? (laughs) I I went and saw a show uh, and that was about an hour and 15 minutes away from my home. 
with a bunch of my friends in undergraduate. Mm -hmm. And we got onto the freeway and someone said, we're going to have a staring contest type thing. And so mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm just going to not blink until we get off the freeway, which was about a 55 minute drive. It did not feel good, <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. That, that is uh, true. I also found out that the 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 Guinness Book of World Records will not track that one. Um, it's not one that they will do because they feel it is overly dangerous. Yeah. Um, so wow. I have no idea what the world record for not blinking would be, but I know that I have gone a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. As someone that's played the game, um, <laughs> that is a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I I get in trouble with it whenever I'm on camera if I'm doing any film work or things. Um because I tend to have a fairly intense unblinking stare because of it. I just don't blink a lot naturally anyway. So yeah, that one's true. Okay, wow. Well, I mean, you would be perfect as a character related to Wednesday in the Adams Family show on Netflix, oh, right? You. Because she does not <laughs> blink either. That was yep. one of the things that, you know... It's, it's, it's actually... Uh, so it is, it's specific acting technique that they teach you in film schools about blinking as few times on camera as you can. Because there's just something about the way that it works. Uh, Michael Caine specifically teaches it uh, mm -hmm. in a lot of his film classes um, on, on acting technique is being aware you want to blink as a choice rather than having it happen outside of your awareness. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting how uh, human beings, we kind of take that blinking into, are you paying attention to me? Where the yeah. emotions are at and all this the stuff so I can I can understand it. Yep. All right, so we have the whole place in a symphony in high school or the left lung collapsing twice. <laughs> um, you can and... tell I've done this before because you, you yes. have to include that one little detail that makes yes. people go, was it actually four times? Yes. Right? I exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's fascinating. And so it's one of those where I'm like, it's all in the details. And sometimes people don't stop to think about the details. I always do. <laughs> so it's one of those, again, like-minded people coming in. I'm like, you did good. <laughs> He's going, I, I I got you. And I'm like, yeah, you probably did. I'm probably going to be wrong on this one, which doesn't happen often, but good. Good on you. <laughs> is the collapse twice the lie? That probably collapse twice is the real one. The really? The symphony is the lie. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The symphony, actually, that's that's my best friend who's the author. That was yeah. his experience. Oh, yeah. Nice. He, he, he's a percussionist as well, plays in the marimba and was able to play with them in a big old ensemble thing. It was really cool. Um, wow. But yeah, when I was a senior in high school, I'm, I'm a tall, skinny boy. <laughs> and apparently that is a pre there is a known phenomenon where as a tall, really skinny person, uh, lungs just tend to every once in a while deflate inside your chest. Oh, and I had never heard of this. And it happened to me twice in four in about a four month period. Um, had to have some surgeries to patch everything up. It was terrifying and I hated it. And I think one of the big things that it made me realize is that the thing that I loved doing could disappear yeah. at any moment because I lost. I mean, when you can't breathe, you can't speak. Uh, you can't live either, but, you know, they were able to keep me alive on that end. But uh, when it happened, it was the uh, I'm I'm originally from uh, in, in the state I'm from. They have a unified audition for all the colleges in the area. So all the colleges come in to audition for their theater programs at a big convention for all the high school students. Oh, and wow. I was 
in a hospital bed with a tube sticking through my ribs and missing my audition slot for colleges. And it sucked. Uh, It was one of the most depressing because like there goes the entirety of what I was kind of hoping and dreaming for for my life, it felt like. And so it was this really galvanizing moment, hugely traumatic, still something that I'm actively working on kind of coming to terms with. And like I talk about it in therapy still. But there was there was this beautiful, I think, moment of inspiration going, this can get taken away from you at any moment. You've got to pursue it with everything you've got because you don't want to turn around and realize that it disappeared and you didn't try to make it happen to the best of your ability. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank but you yeah. for sharing, you for th- sharing that with us. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, the whole thing when you can't breathe, you take it yep. for granted because you're doing it all the time without even thinking about it. And then when you have that moment of like, oh my God, it, it, I'm trying it's and gone. I can't, it's gone. It's all horrible. Well, and and the the crazy thing was is like, I'm driving a stick shift. I drove a I drove oh, a God. 91 Geo Metro. Uh, I'm six foot four, so I'm mm-hmm. like folded into this thing. It was I loved the car, but like I'm on my flip phone. It's 2005, so I'm on a flip phone trying to drive stick. I can't breathe. The muscles in my chest are like constricting. I think I'm having a heart attack at 17. And I'm calling my parents like, hey, I need to go to the hospital. And like, they're like, oh, there's our dramatic son again. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, fine. Stop messing with us, Jake. You know, and so I, I got oh. home and my parents were like, oh, there's something actually wrong here. And they got me well taken care of. And, and things have been, you know, it, it went well on the far end. But like, there's that moment of like, I don't know what's wrong. There are no outward signs of what it and like I I am so grateful for medical technology because if that had happened, mm-hmm. I mean, if I had been born a hundred years ago, oh, at any point in history up to about a hundred years ago, they would have just been like, Yeah, that boy has a demon and he died. <laughs> he was probably a witch. Yeah. You know, and just like this <laughs> because there there was no sign of anything, no outward injuries, no trauma, anything else. The body just, and like the fact that the technology existed for me to get it treated and then prevented for the future, I feel so lucky. And the fact that I now, my entire livelihood is based on my ability to healthily and actively use my lungs, uh, feels, feels uniquely conquering to me. It feels really good to have turned that around and not let it be something that stopped me. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely puts things in perspective when something is simple, right? As they say, yep. as, because we don't ever thought to think about it as breathing is provided to you as a perhaps not. <laughs> and you're going, yeah. shit. Uh, yep. And then puts everything into perspective. Um, but yeah, stick driving and flip phone, because, you know, the, the, my my favorite of having to double press the numbers because the letters if you were having oh, to text man. oh god i don't miss that that's for sure i don't i i the other day i actually saw so i can't remember there was a post on some social media that was just like four 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 two 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 three 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 five 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 and i was like oh man the amount of extra energy that i yes. had to put in to trying to text people back in yep. the day was absolutely <laughs> insane yep I'm very glad I have my swipe keyboard on my iPhone now. I know. Yeah. They just don't, they don't know. They don't understand the struggle we had to do growing up. <laughs> and, and I, you know, 
I laid myself across that barbed wire. I I was the you know I will I will say I helped forge the path that made the cell phones what they are today. <laughs> that the the kids don't have to suffer what I suffered, and I'm glad for it. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh goodness, having to come up with codes because of the the whole multiple texting and the letters and stuff yep. like that. And hey, I had a beeper, so listen. Um, <laughs> Oh, that was Amazing. a gift for my twin sister on our 18th birthday. She puts like, here's a beeper. I'm like, great, thanks. Nice. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, nice and blue is my favorite color. You know, it was uh, the whole like semi-clear see-through. So it was like top of the oh, line sure. kind of a thing. Yep. But I was like, okay, what are these codes? Coming up with a sheet sheet and trying to remember. And you get assigned a code and you get assigned a code. And it's like, now I know who's texting me. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, times have changed. And a I'm so grateful for world. it. But, yes. Yep. but. Nice to know we paved the way for the simple life here, right? In some exactly. cases, <laughs> we did our time. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, those three sure. things with us, it's greatly. Before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> I just I actually have a schedule right here. Um, we got a lot. I've got nine books in May. Um, one of the things, and I, I'll actually throw this pitch out there because I think it's really exciting. One of the things that, that Bridget and I have tried to prioritize for ourselves as we have gotten uh, more clients and people who are actively seeking us out, one of the great joys that we have had in working in this industry has been with working with new and with, with authors who don't have audio produced for any of their works yet. Um, and so one of the things that we have programmed into our own schedule is we are offering, I don't know if this is the correct term, but a scholarship program um, hmm. in which we uh, are having authors who have not yet produced audiobooks submit. And then we do a read through of all of them and make a choice and select one of them to produce at a pretty steeply discounted rate in order to continue to try to foster those connections and that experience and give people who normally we would be outside of their budget and range access to us because we feel like it's important to continue to invest in the roots of our industry, not just the the people who are operating kind of at the top and the height. And so our first one of those books is actually in production right now. We're just about to start on it. It's called Progeny by Rebecca Rath. I think it's Wrath, maybe Wraith. I'll have to double check. But that one goes into, uh, we're starting on that one next week. We've got a whole lot of other books by B.M. Clempton, Jessica Taylor, Alicia Williams, Emma Cole, Gina Moran, and then a couple other through some, some of the production companies that we've worked with. We have just finished up Let's see, what is the other one that we're really... Oh, the other one I'm really excited about. We're we're about to... One of our first authors who we've had a really, really great relationship with uh, is Britt Andrews, who is the author of the Emerald Lake series. She has a whole new series that's about to come out called A Hunt So Wicked that we're about to get started on. And we're looping in one of my best friends from the theater world who was also a narrator whose pseudonym i don't remember right uh james amherst i think is his pseudonym so it's the first time that we're gonna have two different male voices handling two different male characters and so i'm really excited about that one too but if you would like to know more at bordovio.com we have actually got a we just came out with a website about a month ago we're still working some of the kinks out but our entire catalog is listed 
and Perfect. filterable and sortable with direct links to Audible in order to be able to grab them. And on there, you will see new releases as well as works in progress with progress bars about how far into those things we are. We're learning how to keep those updated, so they'll be a little behind the times for a while. But hopefully by the time people are actively listening to this a lot, we've got it figured out. But yeah, you can find all of the things that we're actively working on, as well as everything we've published on the website. That's fantastic. And to go back a little quick on, on the scholarship that you guys are doing, yeah. where can authors find info on, on that as also on the website or do you guys kind uh, of email? We, we don't we don't have anything listed on the website specifically about it. Something that we have kind of just publicized and talked about on social media. If that is if you are a new author who would like for us to consider your book in for that process, please reach out. I think the best way actually is to get onto the website and fill out the contact form that is there for the authors. And we'll let you know, we'll be deciding 2024's titles for that sometime late summer, early fall. We will do a big call for submissions at that point too. But yeah, it, it feels we grassrooted ourselves up with this. And the reason why is because we had so much support from other narrators and authors who were willing to work with us on things. Uh, and it feels really important that we never lose sight of that and keep a foot in wanting to make sure that we are still cultivating the roots of the industry, which we are privileged enough to work in. So, yeah. That, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that and letting us know. And yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely be um, cross-promoting that when you do guys do the announcement for the call out. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being part of this year's Audiobook Loving series. It's been a blast to catch up again and hang out with you. Well, thank you for having me. I, uh, I, I, I'm i sure the timestamp will attest. I, I tend to love to talk a lot. So, <laughs> Hey, I it's, it's uh, a privilege and I appreciate you taking the time. And it's one of those things where I know that the listeners also love that you guys take the time to have these conversations and it's, it's all appreciated. So thank you. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this chat as well as the series. I'll be sure to include all of his social media information, as well as the websites for, for more for you guys to look at those long list of books that they have coming out because they're going to be busy because they're awesome. That's why they're busy. And that's a good thing. <laughs> more books for us. We're not complaining, but I will include that link and all that information over at the audiobook loving series page at Viviana Enchantress of Books. And until next time, happy listening. A special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer, Tana Stone, Landon Beach, PJ Fiala, and all of our sponsors of the Audiobook Lovin' 2023 series. Visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway. If you enjoyed the Audiobook Lovin' podcast series and you want more, join the Audiobook Lovin' podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened. And please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.